Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Welcome back to another trade and strategy podcast. We're a third of the way through your season. And my goodness me, every single week it feels like there's so much we've got to dissect to help you with some strategy and some planning as we head into the upcoming round. Joining me on this episode, you heard him a lot with us in the preseason. If you're on the pod pod, you know who he is. I'm talking about a regular here at the Coaches Panel. i got Louis. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Good, mate. It's been, gee, three or four weeks since I've been on the podcast. So I thought I, I'd better jump on and try and provide some wisdom to all the lovely coaches panel listeners. And uh, yeah, it's just starting to heat up in terms of a fantasy um, sort of aspect, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. You're the Tim English uh, of the coaches panel where when you're on, you're amazing, but then you go missing for a month for a variety of reasons. So that's fine. <laughs> it's good to have you back on though, man. Like, like I said, there's a fair bit you and I got to talk about, man. I, I want to talk about some buys uh, and some structures and what coaches do over these coming four weeks as we head into the multi-buy rounds. Uh, there's some cows that are on the bubble uh, that have played that maybe people have missed. We want to get to some of those. Of course, our loyal Patreons, they've got some questions. We want to answer them. And of course, if you want to become a Patreon, all the links for that it can be found at our website, coachespanel.tv. I want to talk Max Gorn, Tim English, George Hewitt, and a bunch of other stuff about some kind of on the fringe potential top tier options that people aren't talking about. So there's a bit on the pod. But before we go any further, probably the most prominent talking point this week, Louis, is something that Rids brought up on the podcast last week, and that is Darcy Cameron. The first game he played against Gold Coast it was the validity test. It was the litmus test. Can he score in the role as the number one ruck? The answer was yes. We talked about him a lot with Kane and Rids on the pod last week. The verdict was, yep, get him. He's a runner. You can take him to his buy round. We've now got two in a row. I'm curious, Louis, like right out of the gate, if you don't own Darcy Cameron, have you missed the boat entirely or is there still some merit in going after him? No, I don't think you've missed the boat at all, MJ. So last week he came in with a 40 break even, which a lot of coaches would have taken note of and thought, well, let's let's be realistic here. The other week he only played probably a full half in the ruck. Mm -hmm. Then last week, okay, maybe this role is actually real. Yes. Looks real. He's now comes in with a 19 break even. He's at 538K, which... I think he's only a stone's throw away from what Rosie was worth just a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing Rosie. Yes. Um, at the moment, with this, this role and what his scoring history has been in the NFL and the VFL, when he's had that sole ruck role, I think he's someone that we can jump on because he's not just a ruckman, MJ. In fact, that's not really how he scores his points. Mm. It's actually his ability to be around the ball in that role, but actually find the ball around the ground. Yeah, he does add elements of Grundy-esque. Now, they're, of course, not the same sort of player, but but there are the functions and roles there. You, you talked a lot about some of those AFL fantasy stats, facts, and figures in Supercoach. He's going to set you back $368,400. Already gone up 38K from what his price point was last week. Does have a break-even of minus eight. 
in that format, while in Dream Team, a little bit more expensive, priced at 557K. Um, but from a break-even perspective, again, really, really achievable, negative 13. So I think we ha- if you don't have him now, I agree. I don't think you've missed the boat, but I think you missed the prime opportunity to get him. And yep, that is yep. the matchup was right. The price point was right. And so you're now just playing a little bit more catch up. I, I suppose, Louis, is he a guy? Now we know barring something changing, he'll pick up ruck status at the end of round 11. He's the Collingwood side round 14 buy so that will give some versatility through there no doubt through rounds 12 and 13 in the buy i suppose my question is is it just as simple as we know we're going to run him to the buy and probably trade him is it as important about who you trade to get to him as getting him or is that not so relevant in your eyes no absolutely it is because darcy cameron isn't going to be a keeper in our sides we presume right so at one stage later on in the year, you are going to be forced into trading him. Is so it, does that mean, you know, yeah, it does. So I, I see a popular move. And again, each format needs a different set of strategies and there's different trades. There's all these different caveat variables and nuances, but I'm seeing a popular ideology, a, a Zach Butters who has been underwhelming the past month, trade into a Darcy Cameron, which in various formats is a, you know, 50, 100, 150K. Is that the type of trade we should be considering? Or is it rather the cow with a little bit of inflation, like a Rochelle type that we should be looking at? Which is the right approach coaches should be looking at? Well, that's what I was going to say. You really need to identify what you're doing with Darcy Cameron. So like I said, he's someone who's probably not going to be in our fantasy sides for the rest of the year, unless he completely overperforms. So um, if the reason you're trading him in is cash generation only, fantastic. He should make 100K over the next couple of weeks. Safely, where, yeah. where you're right on that, MJ, is if you're trading uh, a rookie who's still got maybe you know, 80, 90K to make over the next couple of weeks as well, are you better off actually just grabbing the premium and in doing so, basically locking in, not using that trade later on in the year on a Darcy hmm. Cameron? Or do you chase the Darcy Cameron and go, okay, this is a guy that I think can go 85 on field, which is going to be more than enough for what he's priced at, which I think is just below sort of that 65 mark. Mm. Or am I going to go the other route and find a rookie who's going to generate me similar cash, more cash, and actually get up on the other end onto a premium who I'm going to be able to keep for the rest of the year. So coaches really need to identify whether or not Darcy Cameron is improving their side from a cash generation point of view from their planning coming in the next couple of weeks leading up to the yeah. buys and um, whether or not he's going to be someone who is worth taking the risk on really MJ. So I'm curious to find out whether or not you think this sort of fantasy scoring output is sustainable over the next couple of weeks up until the buys. And look, as we've seen this year, we've been forced to hold players at some points too. Is he going to be sustainable past those buys too? Maybe up until Brody Grundy returns. Yeah, well, look, he's got a matchup this week that I think is really favourable. Uh, the Western Bulldogs have already confirmed that Tim English won't play. And so just go look back in the past couple of weeks where Martin's played and English hasn't. Rucks have done well uh, against that. So so that's positive. And then in the final matchups, heading into the bye, round 10, Collingwood take on Fremantle, ch- tough matchup. The week after that, it's Carlton. Um, then in the final two weeks before they're off, it's Hawthorne, favourable. 
and then it's Melbourne that last round. And, and so I think if you're trading into Darcy Cameron, barring injury, you're committing to him until round 13 and he's a trade out at round 14. Anything beyond that, you're not getting the fullest value of why you're trading into him. It's got to be a buy runner. You're hoping to make 100 to 150K over that stretch of time and hoping that he can give you an 80 plus and a little improvement on your cow. Um, I, I think if your hope is that he does better than say a Zach Butters might between now and then, you might be overinflating your expectation, which is why seven days ago when we were doing this podcast with Rids and with Kane, we're talking about the value is right. The time is right. The matchup is right. And you've seen the litmus test, so you're not jumping blind. So it sounds like a, I'm saying, no, don't get him now. I'm just saying, know what you're committing to and how are you getting to him? I think is equally as important um, because if you're not considering that variance, like you said, well, you're asking for trouble. Um, and I suppose Louis, it brings me to this thought about buy rounds. We're probably about six weeks away from getting a good visibility of where those that pursue overall rankings is their focus. We really get to see where we are because the first six weeks it's, if you nail your rookies and your mid prices pop, that's yep. why you've had a good captain start. Captain scores, all that. Captain score, all that. Then this is kind of the semi-moving period where it's who can get the right upgrades at the right time, still with a bit of rookie roulette. But really the from bullets. now. Yeah, dodge a few bullets, absolutely. Yep. And then sort of from now to the buy, it's who can be the most bulletproof. And then through the buys, it's who's structured well and who's aggressively traded. And we'll get to round 16 and 15 and go, okay, now I know where I truly sit. I guess my question is, Louis, now that we are a month away from the buys, if coaches are looking at their teams and trying to work their way through the premium count of how many they've got each week, how do they save themselves if they find they're like, oh man, I am too committed to round 12. And while I might make it up in 13 or 14, the damage will be done in one bad week because other coaches will surpass them. Yeah, and unfortunately, MJ, for a lot of coaches, that's just how it goes. So they yeah. might be poor in round 12 and 13 and they'll load up in 14 and they'll look good in 14. But really overall, um, across the whole buyers, they've done quite poorly, even though they're patting themselves on the back. So it's important yeah. to, to look at the buyers as basically not one round, but you really need to look at it as a whole and figure out how you're going to attack it. So if you're heavy on round 12, which I think a lot of coaches actually are this year, then mm. you're basically at this, you've, you've identified that you are walking into trouble come round 12. So round 12, oh no, I'm going to have 15, 16 players on the field. I'm going to have a poor score. I'm okay in 13 or 14, but hey, how can we fix that now? Because we're still three weeks away from that. So yeah. You brought up before of Butters. He's got the round 12 buy. Now, he does. I'm not advocating for trading premiums or getting Hopes too premiums. happy. Yeah. Yep, yep. So <laughs> you've got to be careful with who you trade. But you do need to look at, well, okay, this guy's underperforming. It might be a Zach Butters. He's on the round 12 buy. Um, let's say someone's coming up. Well, I really like Luke Parker at the moment. I've got just enough cash. He fixes my buy structure, even yeah, though it's a little bit sideways this week. Well, I don't mind it because you're still jumping on to a top six guy or a top eight guy who mm. may be outperforming that guy anyway. And you're fixing your buy structure three, four, five weeks into the future. And as we know with buyers, 
each week that you do leave it, you get one more week behind. So yeah. that's why we harp on so early about the buyer sort of round seven onwards is because, well, once you get to round 10, sometimes it's too late. I know you've got, what, four, seven trades until then, but yeah, sure. you really want to put yourself in the best scenario to attack. You don't want to be constantly defending when it comes to your rank and your fantasy side. So now is the time to really make sure that you've got all your ducks in order. Yeah, look, I look at that round 12 buy right now. So it's Carlton, Port Adelaide, Essendon, Richmond, GWS, St Kilda. And probably the standout for in terms of value for money that's come through that round probably is Patrick Cripps. And, and every week I, I talk to our Patreons about this. And when we do our Facebook, you know, Fantasy Friday Q&As in the car and a bunch of different things, I almost feel like at nauseam, I go, the mid-30s possessions and the multiple goals per game for, for Cripps isn't sustainable and yet every week he keeps proving me wrong and those of us that are on top of him are loving every moment of it but when I look at someone like a Patrick Cripps and I do want to talk about George Hewitt off the back of this too anyone that's in those six teams I'm saying from now you can't trade into them until round 13 and the reason being is we've got round nine which is this coming week 10 11 and then they miss 12. If you told, if I told you any player buys or injuries, you're only getting three of the next available four matches. You go, oh no, I don't want that. And yet I'm seeing people go, now's the time. To, if you haven't got Crips, it's not too late. It might not be too late from a cash perspective, but from a buy structure, I'm, I don't want to trade into someone that's three out of four weeks. Do you hold a similar view, Louis, or do you see it a little differently? No, absolutely. I hold the exact same view. So with your buy structure, obviously you want to be a little bit heavier on 13 and 14 so that you can trade into your round 12s coming off that buy. So sure. with a Patrick Cripps, for example, 100% agree. He's the perfect guy after the round 12 buy. Maybe you've got a little bit of cash in the bank to go and chase your Uber premium if you're still putting up scores like he is, which is just ridiculous at the moment. But in terms of trading in round 12 buy players now, well, unless they're going to make you a considerate amount of cash over the next three weeks, so they might be a rookie or maybe a mid-pricer that pops, but after mm. this week, it's probably too late anyway. Yep. I agree with you. I think round 12 buy players, we just have to be very, very cautious about and actually consider um, leaving them until after the buys, even if it does cost us a little bit of extra K. Yeah, and we're talking about premiums at, at this point in time. And so to, to look at Cripps, for example, he comes off the buy round with Essendon and then the very next week's Richmond. And we've already seen what he's done against them this year. And, and so bang, bang, in terms of two of the sides, he, he should score the best against. We're not talking about cash cows or money makers because you can't pick and choose where they come from. So on the bubble this week in Dream Team and Supercoach, a guy's like a Hamilton, a guy's like a Morris Rioli, who are both viable trading options in Dream Team and Supercoach this week on the bubble. In AFL Fantasy, we've seen them at least a couple of times now, both of those guys. Um, for In AFL Fantasy, an obvious trade this week is a Greg Clark. Um, if you're not a non-owner, it's definitely a viable play in Dream Team and Supercoach to leap early if you need to before the price point. But what we are saying is premiums, round 12. I just can't get behind trading them in from now until after the buy. Cash cows, I think we have to take what we can get um, when, when they land. Um, George Hewitt intrigues me, Louis, because one week injury is now turned into two. 
And now the, the groundswell of talk about him missing potentially another week really does make it hard because that means not only has he missed the two have been, he'll miss, if he misses round nine with injury, he will miss round 12 with the bye. So that is, again, if he misses this week, he will only play two of the next four and already miss two that we've banked. What should coaches be doing? Because I think across formats, the advice should be fairly similar. If he misses this week, what should coaches do? Look, it's unfortunate that they came out and said it, that it's probably only going to be one week, MJ. And yeah. In fact, he was actually named on that Thursday night. So they That's were right. expecting him to play. Of course, then he misses the next one. That makes two. And now there's a lot of smoke sort of saying, well, he might not get up for this one too. So two out of the next four does or it is starting to look pretty likely. Now that's three mm. weeks out of footy. Uh, he's not going to come back in, even if he comes back in in round 10. He's not going to hit the ground running if you choose to hold MJ. He's going to be mm. on maybe 65 to 75% time on ground. He's going to be managed. He might even be out of the midfield rotation. We know that Carlton just are stacked in that line. Mm. He's an accountable player. He can play a couple of different roles and probably play them quite well in that side. Um, I wouldn't be expecting George Hewitt to come in and punish you and go ton, 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 ton. You should have held me for three weeks. It's just not going to happen. So at this point, I think it's a trade. It's It sucks that you've basically compounded two weeks of holding. I'm going to be doing the same essentially. Mm. But the writing seems to be on the wall. And even though he might be a top six defender come end of year, I'm going to wager that in this middle part of the year, he's not a top six defender and that, in fact, going against the competition. Now, I think 30% are still George Hewitt owners. In if AFL fantasy, yeah, a, it's huge. If you can jump on a Dane Zorko for a comparable price, who I think is 760K, for example, mm. uh, Jordan Dawson at 790K, and they can pop you a 110, 120 over a couple of weeks, then all of a sudden you've got that point of difference as well especially if George Hewitt comes back slow. So that's why I do lean towards trading because I think trading him does open yourself up to actually having an advantage on the competition that do hold as well. Well, in Dream Team and in Supercoach, he's owned by 53 and 54% of teams as well. So it's an even higher ownership percentage. And again, in those two formats, the advantage we've got or a tool in our trading kit that we don't have in AFL Fantasy is you've got a trade boost. So where uh, AFL Fantasy, you're kind of locked into two trades until the multi-buys. In Supercoach and Dream Team, you should still be able to, again, this is the premise of Hewitt missing, still be able to do your one up, one down if you wish, and an aggressive sideways trade of Hewitt if he misses. It, it should not, and this is why the boost is so, such a great little addition to the game in those two formats, is it enables you to still improve your team week on week while navigating these challenging issues. It's why one of the multiple reasons why this year we're seeing teams get to a more completed look faster. I think the other is some of our stepping stones have really popped strong and that's helped. Uh, but that is why we're seeing teams approaching the buy going, man, I'm only a couple of trades away from being done. And uh, I'm going to play some sideways games through the buy because I'm pretty much done. And so I'm with you. I think Hewitt misses. I think you've got to look to be aggressive. Um, having him play only two of the next four. If he misses, I, I don't think I can commit to my, I'm not as concerned about his role as you are. 
about what he comes back into that side for. He was recruited for a reason. He adds a flavor to that midfield. But I can certainly see where the, the, the narrative of a conservative approach with the cork um, might come for George Hewitt. MJ, he, if he does play two of the next four, of course, with that buyer, we we got to remember that we do get the DPP additions too. So That's right. Um, without looking into the future, I'm not too sure who's going to pick up defender status, but um, there's still two more opportunities for defenders to come into that position and be top scoring in their line. So if that gives you a little bit of further encouragement that, oh, well, maybe I can't find a defender I like, well, maybe they're coming. Well, I think it's a really nice point. Pendlebury and Zorko are just two of the bigger names that people have seen come into the back line. I think McGrath uh, Mark, was popular in the preseason too. Yeah, that's that very, role. very true. Yeah, and, and, and we should see some popular gains. I think Bontempelli on trend is probably right on, on the line and maybe a marginally over to pick up forward status. Um, and gosh, all it takes is another game like last week with Gorn where he was more heavily forward. Now, that was more... <laughs> taking some risk out of his body because he was playing sword, but he was already there. A Bailey he was Smith close, was yep. there. He was already there. So that's this unique challenge that AFL fantasy coaches have been used to for multiple years, that dream teamers and super coaches that haven't played that format are just getting used to. They have this ideological perfect best 22 they're trading into. And while I made an article like that for our, for our patrons, there's some flaw in that. And that is, Every six weeks, there's some new variables coming in to the season. It's why, for me, I've been so big on bolstering out your midfield this year with premiums because you know what you're getting. We've had some really nice cows that have got us through in the back and forward half. That's why I've been quite aggressive in my formats of trading into the midfield because there's the least risk of positional variables um, that, that can kind of pop. Hey, MJ, I just mm. I know we're big on philosophy on this show, and I just wanted to to ask you this. So sure. uh, and it's not something that's new to us as fantasy coaches, but it's probably something that um, we haven't adapted to as well because, well, there's what do you do? It's a bit <laughs> of a uh, crux 22. But um, basically, if we hear that another player is under an injury cloud for a week, yep, they should be back as fantasy coaches, as AFL fantasy coaches anyway. Mm. That format, are we now? Should we now be leaning to nah? I'm not interested. Um, they're not sure if it's going to be a week. I'm just going to trade on the first week, and if he does come back after a week, well, so be it. But the advantage, and we've seen the advantage for George Hewitt owners who traded week one as soon as he was out, is there to be had. Is yeah, that well, something I think we need to start considering in terms of. It seems like we're so fixated on finishing a team as quickly as quickly as possible. Yeah, well, I, th I think that's the challenge is those that traded Crips out, get, not believing there's such thing as a one-week hamstring, probably, again, you've got to run the theory for the, for, for the next 15, 16 weeks. What was the premium you traded into? What would you have done the following week if you'd held him? All, all those cascading things that you can look in time. But those that held Crips probably feel fairly good about that decision right now. In, conversely, those that didn't trade Hewitt out are starting, especially if it becomes a three-week injury, let alone the already locked and banked two, are starting to have some trade regret. I, I think for me, you've got to treat everything uniquely. Um, yep. You've got to know matchups of the options coming on the field because you might have the perfect matchup 
um, that's able to cover it. it well, to we come... saw O'Driscoll. Yeah, it was North Melbourne. It wasn't the school that we probably expected a 65, but we were confident it was minimum it was 65. Yeah, and, and Supercoach has got 100 from him that week that Cripps was missing. This is the luck of the dice. This is where the rolling lockout hopefully can help us, where can we use DPP? Can we use matchups? Can we get a glimpse before making the decision? Because I don't know about you, Louis. I, I don't make my trading plans anymore. Even though I've got a rough idea of two to three weeks out, I don't commit to them until Thursday night teams because so much has changed um, and, and so much does. So I have two to three versions of where I'm going. I don't fall in love with a strategy um, of what I'm going to do because all it can take is, oh, Tim English is out and I didn't know. George Hewitt is the lady. Matt Crouch. Oh, I didn't know. Admitted. Matt Crouch. Who, who was calling that, you know? No, well, Crows fans probably, but yeah. um, <laughs> that, you're, you're 100% right. That's the challenge. So to answer your question, um, I think there's never a black and white you must hold or you must trade. For me, the unique variables to the side is, well, if you, do, if you held, who's coming on field? Can you make up those points that you've lost with some aggressive trades around it with upgrades? Is there a captain option that you feel confident you can go against the grain to make up those points? And then also, is there a guy you like that's available at this round that this gives you the opportunity to jump on? Because it's always that. People go, oh, I lost Hewitt for two weeks. I go, okay, but if you had McCartan covering you this week, there's an 80 or 90 score. What did you have the week before? Was it O'Driscoll? There's a 60 or 70 score. All of a sudden, you're probably only down, what, 50, 60 points? Let's round it if for that, Hewitt. Yeah. Um, but did you upgrade two premiums in that time when others only upgraded one? Did you get a Rochelle off your ground and you went and got yourself a Tuke Miller and all of a sudden, you're actually now 80 points ahead and you've still got Hewitt? Uh, that's for me, I think, is you've got to look at it in, in a totality. Yep of it not just that because you're right louis otherwise we'll just sideways forever that's why it's so important to look one two three weeks into the future okay well if i do this trade what yeah, can i do cool. let's say my hands are tired next week well what can i do now oh, i've got 2k sitting there don't really have any fat and rookies mm. i like all my premiums but oh, i've got this other option where i've got 120k left over i like the trades and next week, I might be better off. Maybe I yeah. don't have those rookies, but I can still shave 80K off, have 200K to upgrade. So it's it's always important to be looking one, two, three weeks into the future because that's, in my opinion, how the good AFL coach, AFL fantasy coaches get the leg up because it's not just a one-week thing. It's no, never. At, a, at a multitude of weeks. That's why we always harp on about, well, pick a keeper if you can because then that's your trade locked in. You don't have to use it again unless they get injured. So... Yeah, no, it's a really good shout. Um, we want to hit some Patreon questions soon. Um, I want to come back to this idea of, you know, it's something that Rids kind of coined as a phrase a few weeks, you know, a few years ago now, when we kind of started the coaches panel, if not before, called the Broadbent strategy. And, and what it really is, it, a, a lot of people have very similar ideologies around that. Now, it's you pick a guy that's not a premium that has a nice fixture and roll for a set three to four weeks of time. And you run them up to that maximize cash on the generation and points on field. It's why people are looking at a Darcy that, camera. Uh, that's our Darcy camera. Yeah. You're 100%. absolutely right. Um, is there anyone else in your 
the way you look at it again, round 14 is probably the more preferred buy rounds, but round 13, there could be something too. Is there someone that's the Cameron before Darcy Cameron? And what I mean by that is this week, that's just gone round eight. They've delivered points on field in a, in a, in a role, whether it be because injuries have created opportunities, whether a rebuilding side have given them responsibility or any other variations. It's why people looked at Rosie. And as you mentioned a couple of weeks ago too, roles there, scoring's there. I'm going to jump on for a season, not for forever. Rosie probably hasn't popped quite to the level people had hoped. I don't think it's been bad. Cameron is trending positively. Where you made this really great point, which is why I wanted to ask you. Coaches that are ahead of the pack, not just reacting, that they surf the trend as it starts to show, not just react to the trend, they get the maximization of cash and points. Is there someone or a couple that you go, these are some players that might sit in that, not yet Darcy Cameron, but we might be talking about them the same way we're speaking of Darcy Cameron. We're talking underpriced guys, aren't we? Yeah, we're talking about some value guys we can run for a month. I reckon you can give us one off the top, MJ, which Rid's actually brought up in our group chat down oh, at the Crows. There, which does, I'm not sure he's going to be relevant for us in, in fantasy, but it does tick the boxes in that you say, you know, okay, well, he's got a good buy around. He's underpriced. He's got a good role. He's showing the scoring so far. Can it continue? And he is one of those guys, of course, um, Sam Berry from your yeah. mob, MJ. Yeah, Sam Berry, you know, he's, he went 80s across the formats two weeks ago, ton in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team last week, 90 in Supercoach, forward eligible, playing mid, should pick up DPP. Um, for me, he's absolutely one we can look at, um, and I'd seriously consider that. I think another, and, and the caveat is if Noah Anderson is out longer than we thought. Oh, David Swallow, Swallow could be it. Yep. Swallow could be it too. Proven performer has been out of the role, very, very cheap. All of a sudden, away we actually go. Um, A a North Melbourne might be able to pop something for us too if if some injuries open up and opportunities come through there. So, uh, look, Berry and Swallow are kind of two that immediately grabbed my attention. Um, But certainly, that would be the thing. Is there anyone... Others for you that you kind of think are worth looking at that are value? Probably not someone you you plan to hold beyond their buy, but over the next month could really generate good cash, bank points, and you don't have to go all the way down to a basement cow. Look, MJ, there's not many that stand out to me too much at the moment, which is probably why Darcy Cameron is sort of the flavor of the week at the moment. Yeah. Because, I mean, he is the guy if you can get to him, but... Um, what I will say for the listeners is, uh, and it's super handy for actually being able to identify these guys quickly, is if you've got your fantasy app or you've got it up on your computer um, and maybe you've got the plus version, you can actually mm-hmm. have a look at what their last three average is, what their last three versus their um, next three is as well. So you can actually straight away identify these guys that are all of a sudden starting to score outside of the box or that's what you think but yeah. they're actually coming into their sort of vein of form where they can go 90, 90, 90. I remember, and this guy's actually in some good form too. Maybe I should have brought him up, MJ. Um, Jack mm. Scrimshaw, a couple of years yeah. ago, uh, came back from injury, um, had a few games which were a little bit quiet. Time on ground was managed. 
He had one where he popped about a, a 75 and just from the eye test looked fantastic. And then from there, I think to finish the year, averaged about 95 across his last three. So if you can, obviously a little bit later on in the season, but if you can identify these guys quickly and be the first one to do so, well, then you get that big jump up, which is what we saw from Darcy Cameron owners last weekend, because only 1% of the competition actually jumped on, in which AF, is why yeah. I say, MJ, it's not too late to jump on now because, well, 99% of the competition, I know they don't all play, still haven't no. jumped on. So you can join them and ride that, or you can choose to go against the competition with another guy, like you said. There, there is one guy that I don't think is for everyone, but I, but I will say it. Um, it. It probably isn't right for a lot of teams, but I'll throw him out there anyway, and I'll explain who it is, why it is. And again, it could not. It could be format dependent. I'm talking about Tom Lynch from Richmond. Um, he's yep. had back-to-back 140s in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. He's had a 167 and a 184 in Supercoach negative break even in dream team and uh and in super coach while in afl fantasy the break even is not in the negative territory but it's still very very flavorsome um for for coaches as they look to him they go okay he's got a break even that's i think it's like zero um through that the reason i would bring him up is this it's a two-week play so it might not be enough hawthorne and essendon um two of the teams easier to score against in terms of key position forwards with a lack of really good, strong key position defenders. And then it's a quick versatile flip heading into round 11 because he is on the round 12 by into a Jordan to I, I don't think it's for everybody. I, in fact, I think it's for a lot of very unique teams, but if you've already got all the right cows because you jumped early or you jumped on their first week or wherever it was, I don't think it's for everybody. But gosh, it could be a fun run if he if he displays what he's done the past two weeks. Yeah, and owning key forwards, I've only owned a handful in my time of playing AF, but it is super fun to watch them play and just kick goals and, and have that fantasy score just constantly creep up. It is a two-week play, MJ, and yeah. his form's been unbelievable. I mean, two 140s in a row, um, Hawthorne Essendon to come. He could yeah. probably go 110 plus there if he gets on the end of a bag. No question. Um, he is going to be sort of earmarked by those two opposition coaches as well, obviously kicking five or six goals um, in his last two matchups. My concern would be, and what a lot of coaches would have experienced nearly the whole year, uh, is that we see a lot of outs. So whether yes, that be through that's illness, the risk, isn't it? COVID, injury, suspension, the whole works, for a two-week play, leading into your buy rounds, which risky, I think it? most coaches agree is probably the most important part of how you launch yourself into contention in all the formats. Yeah. It's it's an added risk and that's what it is because it's high reward yeah. if he does pop. 100%. But it's probably something that if you are looking at it, you have to be very cautious and look at your plan B, your plan C, your plan D, you know? Yeah, you don't want to get stuck with him in and through the buys, not at all. Exactly, which is when he's 604K, it starts to become a bit of an awkward price. And that's why we're probably saying, well, Darcy Cameron, yes, it's this week, but we're asking now, is it too late? Well, next week, we've got to say it is too late because it's going to be 600K plus as well. So um, I do like the play, but I do have a lot of concerns over it being such a volatile position. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm 100% with you. Before we get to our Patreon questions, man, anything else from you you want to touch on before we answer some of those? Um, look, I just think coaches need to be really vigilant of what their benches look like. So we've seen a lot of coaches have five, six, seven red dots each week. Some are going in with no cover. I know I did last week, copping a few outs. Um, I know that there's this urge to improve your side, to get the points on field, to to get that 150 from an Uber premium paying 950K for an Angus Brayshaw or an Andrew Brayshaw rather. Yeah. But you do need to be mindful of your bench and make sure that you've got cover over all those rounds, but not just for the buy rounds as well. Look, we're seeing multiple, multiple outs each week and the coaches that are able to cover them the best are the ones that are actually rising in ranks. So um, I know it's super obvious, but just don't get too greedy. Make sure you're keeping an eye on your bench and what your rookie price players are looking like and uh, and handle them accordingly. Yeah, I think for me, if I wouldn't be trading out a red dot just to get a green dot, but um, that's what round twelve for me feels like. I can I can deal with that if if they if they're there. Um, I want to be making money out of my trades and twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars like that. That's not going to help you. Um, but to your point. If you're in the position you're in, you're happy with what you've got, your premiums are right, the cows you want to move on are not ripened, but a guy is ready to pop, well, then go get it. Absolutely. And so if it's a a, a Greg Clark in AFL Fantasy this week or a, a Morris Rioli Jr. and you've got, a, you've got a Jackson Mead sitting there, you're happy with all your other cows, you're able to make all the other trades you want to make, do you want to take the chance to get rid of a dot? Sure, no problem with that. But I, I think the only concern is if you go too far the other way, which I suppose you've yeah. made the point of don't go so far one way that you negate your bench. I'd also go so far the other don't go so far the other way that you're trading for protection um, and small cash gains that really it won't help you in the long run. Because um, if I'm copping a donor, I want a rookie flavored one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I, but I think it's a it's a really nice pickup though what you've talked about. All right, let's jump into our Patreon I've questions. I've just got one yeah. more on that too, MJ. And yeah, something that I've noticed has been extremely important the last couple of weeks as well is just also being vigilant of your your VCC. Yes, because <laughs> we've rolling. seen that the captain is so important at the moment, and if you can have two swings at it, and you've got yeah. let's say Hugh Dixon this week, you want to trade him, but he's He's got the last game of the round and you've, mm-hmm. you've got, I don't know, Lockie Neal on the Saturday night. If you can get as many bites at that cherry as you can, then I would hold off on doing trades like that and make sure that you can secure, you know, a 120, a 130 from your captain because that's what yeah. I see is tripping up a lot of coaches week to week. Yeah, it's some good advice, man. A nice little catch. All right. Uh, quick question from Ian. He wants to know, what the heck's going on with Tom Mitchell? And can we consider him? What's your take on that one? Well, what the heck's going on with Tom Mitchell? He's got a new coach. And uh, <laughs> it, was fla- it was flagged in the preseason that Sam Mitchell is coming in to rebuild this side. And unfortunately, um, and I'm not going to get into the argument how effective Tom Mitchell is, but uh, he's going on 28, 29. He's a massive accumulator. Hawthorne have two, three, four kids, Newcomb, Ward, McDonald. They're all showing massive signs. And while Sam Mitchell's got this grace period, which we spoke about in the preseason, MJ, mm. um, I think he is going to favor the kids. So it's unfortunate yeah, no for Tom Mitchell owners, but 
Um, he's someone who is obviously going to have a massive regression this year. Where it gets interesting, though, uh, is as an owner and as a non-owner, what mm. do we think about him? Because I sort of said on Pod Pod on the Monday night, well, I would be looking at trading Tom Mitchell, but at the same time, after round 14, as soon as he pops, I'd be looking to trade him straight back in as well. So mm. if you're a Tom Mitchell owner still, come round nine, I'm almost leaning towards, okay, well, I'm just going to hold, hope this guy turns his form around. And he has popped a couple of times. He hasn't He's had been fine titch score, for a couple of weeks there. He hasn't been super disappointing bar probably last week. Yep. He's swallowing my pride. I've lost 200K. I'm going to hold him. I know this is a guy that can go 100 after the buys. If he doesn't pop, well, then I can look at it. But for me personally, I think for a bloke who's going to be targeted by majority of the competition as soon as he does turn his form around, if he does turn his form around, mm. um, for me, it's a hold. But I'd be interested in what you have to say. Yeah, um, for me, I, I think the damage is done. In Supercoach, it's been a bit different. He's had a couple of 80s and 70s, but he's popped a 119, a 142, and a 105 there and has dropped about 100K, so not as much as AFL Fantasy. For me, I think you're if you're a Mitchell owner at this point, it's a hold to the buy and address it at round 14 um, and, and move him on. Don't, don't compound the pain of the bad score last week by moving him on for a guy that's got history as recent as a week to two weeks ago of being a really nice premium. Uh, and and not hitting his 120, 130 days, but, you know, solid tons. So I'm with you. I, I think you just hold, bin and, you know, grin and bear it. Round 14, if you're still not seeing what you need, cut your losses and trade him out. And I don't see much of the game style changing from Hawthorne, but if the cattle changes and he has to go back to that, then I'd consider trading back into him. Um in a keeper league, it's an interesting one. I, I, I don't. I think you're now. You know where he's going to be. What you're hoping for is a couple of decent tons in a row, um, and sell him off and hope his name value gets you something. Because keeper leagues, his, his value is now cascading. Oh, it, and the off season would have been the perfect time perfect time because the talk was he was going to be the number yep. one scoring mid um, in many people's eyes because he stormed home last year. So unfortunately, you missed the boat a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, John wants to know, it's a super coach question, so maybe I'll take it from you, Louis. Um, are Greg Clark, Morris Rioli Jr. or Cooper Hamilton worth the trade down in super coach? Um, the answer for all of them is yes. You've also got Carol on the bubble this week in super coach. Clark's got one more week. So John, that's where we were talking about just uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes ago, we kind of looking a couple of weeks ahead while Clark's the best scorer of them all, no doubt, um, is can you with your buy structure and with the way you make your trade plans, can you afford to wait a week on Clark? Because Carol and Rioli and Hamilton all have the round 12 buy. And so their cash generation is going to get stunted in a month's time. That might be the perfect time to move them on. But balance it out. I wouldn't trade into all three in the week. That, that's too many downgrades for me. But if you can structure it out, that it helps you, absolutely happy for you, John, to do that. Um, but Clark's definitely the best scorer of them all. All right, here's a question for you. Oh, it is a long one uh, from... In fact, I'll give you Kyle's question because it's an AFL fantasy question. Um, is it still rookies off field in AF or should we look at trading mid-prices that have kind of hit their limit and their average. What's the trade priority for you this week now? What was that, MJ? So, rookie. So, Kyle field. wants to know is it still rooks off field regardless as the priority as trades? 
again, it's hard to know without the unique sides, variance, focus. But for Kyle, we know he cares about rankings. Is it Rooks off field number one priority? Or should we look at trading mid-prices that have now turned average? It depends on your rookies, doesn't it? So yeah. you're not looking to trade a Nick Martin. Um, you're not looking to trade a uh, Nick Dacos. Well, maybe not yet anyway. Um, I would be... I would be looking, look, what, what are the rookies, MJ? That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, there's lots of rookies that are scoring just like mid-prices. So, Well, in AFL Fantasy, if you're not a Clark owner, he, he's the obvious in this week. In my eyes, he's the obvious in, again, because Kyle's talking about AFL Fantasy, so we can kind of tailor our advice specifically to AFL Fantasy. If you want to look at the break-evens that you might want to consider in terms of the negative ones, Carol, I thought he's looked quite good. On, on the wing, he's just shy of 300k. I don't think Morris Rioli is someone I'd jump out of my skin to go trade into no. in AFL Fantasy. Beg, look, if you want to have a bite of the cherry, maybe Max Gorn, and maybe we'll talk about him in a sec, actually. Um, you know, if Gorn's out, it gives you a first look. Maybe that's an option. And then McComb, who's up at 300,000, but still has a negative break even. And then there's Hamilton. So, there are some cows that are scoring in that 60 to 85 range, which is which is a bad mid-price score, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tricky question to answer, MJ, just because you don't know who the mid-prices of the rookies are. Personally, I always default to getting rookies off the ground because rookies Same. are the most likely to next week give you a 30 or a 40, whereas a mid-pricer, generally they're a mid-pricer because they're very good at scoring between 70 and 90 and not often popping past that. So... Um, without knowing your rookies and without knowing your mid price is a very tricky question to answer because I, uh, I came out on top a couple of weeks ago trading out of Jai Coldwell uh, yep. as soon as I could. But um, I'm going to toe the line and say that you need to get your rookies off field uh, as quickly yeah. as you can. And it, you're right. I think it all depends. If it's a Nick Martin, well, you can wait till the buy. Um, if your mid pricer is Took Miller, well, not Took Miller, sorry, Matt Rowe, uh, okay. Mid-price, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two could be nice <laughs> as a mid-price. You know, if, if it's a Kitty Coleman, for example, who's who's been fine but not as amazing. Will as Brody, I think, is the yeah. perfect example. So at the moment, he he is a mid-price. He's been a mid-price yeah, pretty much the whole year. But he's scoring week to week. While he might pop a sixty, and you don't love that, the next yeah. week you're actually pretty confident that he can give you a an eighty to a hundred. Whereas a rookie, uh, yeah. I mean, even a Nick Martin, who we are relying on most weeks and we are confident in, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop a 50. It's his first year in the AFL. Not at all. So I tend to try and get them off as soon as I can. And often I'll find myself with an advantage because of that, because a lot of the competition hang on to these rookies a little bit too long and, and then they find themselves losing salary or losing scoring and then getting red dots and it all sort of snowballs from there. Yeah, no, I think it's good. Both Sam uh, and also James have asked some trade boost questions. So I'll, I'll take them from Dream Team and Supercoach perspective. Basically, the premise of both of their questions is around how aggressive should we be at using these trade boosts and should we be conserving them? Um, I think my answer for you both, Sam, and, and also for you, James, would be we will only truly know in the cold light of the end of the season about whether or not getting aggressive over the first 12 weeks of the year and using your five trade boosts was the right approach to kind of 
burn through cows and get through upgrades quicker, which is what I'm seeing coaches use the strategy for. And I think that's a perfectly valid way to play. Or if it's a, we get to the end of the year and it and it's donut dodging and, and that's how you're able to make up the points. Right now, I would lean for you guys to say yes, I would be using the trade boosts ahead of the multi-buy rounds where you can maximize cash generation and maximize um, premium upgrades through the multi-buys. You'll get three trades available anyway. By the time you're entering into round 15, most teams in those two formats you should be pretty darn close to a completed side. You shouldn't be trading into cows because you need the money that aggressively. It's now just about the balancing act, balancing some trades for some injuries um, and having some depth for late outs, um, especially with the mid prices that have done well for us, Brody, Hewitt, Tom Green, Pruce, just a couple of names. We've got made so much money and banked so many points because of them. So I, I don't think the need to be as conservative um it has to be there this year you'll know more at the end of the year though boys that is what i will say is is we will learn a lot more the first year you play it people that are aggressive generally help you figure that out i remember years ago louis when afl fantasy first went from a three-week price cycle change and only limited trades to two trades a week but still had the three-week price cycle the first year coaches that went hard and aggressive and changed some philosophies ended up doing really really well it was one of the years i had my first top 30 finishes you'd rather um, die trying yeah yeah exactly i would much always rather trade hard learn the lesson rather than go oh man if i got aggressive here here and here i'd be in the top 50 or the from, top 100 i don't play super coach but from my perspective if yeah. i had trade boosts and what i see at least in my own format of af is that if I can set my team up a certain way, then if I cop injuries or suspensions or or COVID outs, I know that I can still coast along with that team because I've got the yeah. right players. So that's right. If you and like you said, if you can fill out your midfield in AF as soon as possible, then you can just kill them with one twenties, and it doesn't matter if you if you cop the bad end of the stick on something else. So I think um, I'd be using my trade boosts as soon as I can, basically. And, and really setting up my side to basically kill them later on in the year. And of course you have to be aware that there's going to be injuries and all that sort of sure. stuff. But um, I think it's a bit of a gimme. Yeah. I'd love to see it in AF too. Well, we, we know our good friend Selby's very much a fan of it because he's playing in super coach. And so I would not be oh, sure there to you see go. it come in, in AFL fantasy next year. That guy's got some sway in the game. That's yeah, for sure. He carries a bit of sway. That's good. One, one last question I want to get to for you. Um, and it's come from a couple of people before I wrap up the episode. It's if Max Gorn misses, now they play Sunday, he'll f- and it's in Perth, so if he doesn't fly, answer there. But if he doesn't play, either not named, doesn't fly, or flies and is a laid out, what's the options for coaches? Because that last game of the round, coaches might have committed to trade plans, missed certain options, what should coaches be doing if Gorn misses in your eyes? For me, it's it's very obvious, MJ. Uh, just because Gorn is far and away the, the best ruckman that we've got in the competition. And um, English is probably the next best and he's forward eligible. So mm. uh, you don't want to be trading Gorn. Uh, I nope. think you 
to be able to hold him, if you don't have cover, you almost need to be using a trade to actually cover him because he trade some just, cover. Yeah. Yeah. He is just so far and away the best Ruckman. He's putting up prior to this week when he did have a bit of an injury, he was putting up 130 after 130 after 130. It was huge. I just think you need a trade into cover and then you've got your R1 for the rest of the year. So a lot of coaches would have Sam Hayes. Yep. And um, that's an easy one. He'll give you a 60 on the field. Dixon, Mm -hmm. if he's named, look, not the best option, but his scoring was okay too. He was giving you about a 50 on field. Yeah. The third option is, well, hang on. You might actually have to trade into a bank who's got the negative break even you have to change you might have to change your rookie downgrade but at least you yeah. have cover for a max score if he does miss so yeah um, I've, I've seen a lot of chatter about it i'm not a sh- i'm not sure it's as relevant as what some coaches make it i think it's very simple just find your cover yeah have him come back a week later because we know that it's not a serious injury that's what we're told with Hewitt yeah. too but we'll disregard that that's right. um and then improve your side a week from now. Yeah, I, I don't see a world unless they come out and say he's missing four, five, six weeks. You're He's just so much better than every other option we have at, at the moment. And so when you've got a clear and supreme guy that's only probably missing a week max, pardon the pun, you just hold through there. Uh, last question that's just flown through from fellow panellist Rids. This is an interesting one. I agree with him too. This, oh, I purposely didn't bring in a midfielder because of what he's just said. This is his question. What are teams going to do with eight premium midfielders and they've got Clark on the bench? That's a big one. Now, it's a one-game sample size where he turned up, granted. Got a lot of points late, but regardless, the point is still valid. We've been talking about even aggressively trading in the mids. What are you thinking? What, what's your process there, oh, I, Louis? I'll go back to what I said a couple of minutes ago, mate, which is even though he's a mature ager, he is a rookie and uh, there's every chance that the next game that he does play, he drops you a 40 or a 50 and all of a sudden that 110 comes into about a 70 average, which is about what you've got from some of the rookies that we started the year with. So. Mm. If you've got a full midfield already, that's very impressive. I think, honestly, that advantage in itself is probably going to pedal you up the rankings and you don't need a Greg Clark on field anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was going to say, MJ, is the reason I didn't trade in a midfielder is because quite often we'll see the next rookie that pops and he can give you a 90 plus. Or yeah. there's a mid-pricer who comes in, he suddenly has the role, um, I don't know, let's Paul Darcy Parish from last year, who started yeah, sure. about 550k. You put him in your midfield, and from there you he fly. goes 110. You're laughing. So yeah, I think it is wise to actually leave a midfield spot or two open. And often I do do that as long as I can because that, like you said, is where your scoring does come from. And if you've already got a completed line there, well, your hands are sort of tied, and suddenly you're looking at defenders and forwards to on their given day are 15 to 20 points less. So then your primo mids. Yeah. But to get back to what Reed's actually asked, if you've got eight midfielders and you've got Greg Clark on the bench, then you've got eight midfielders and you've got Greg Clark on the bench. Well done for completing a midfield so soon. Yeah. It's, I think you are about right. Um, I think the caveat for the completed midfield is well, what is your completed midfield definition? Um, and, is a Tom Green 
in Supercoach, he's going 110, so maybe it's the case. But in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, is he someone you want in your completed side and are you counting him as that? If it's not, well, then maybe he's your guy that can open up the link. You get that premium defender forward. You get Clark on field and now you're maximizing points and cash generation. Um, much like we talked about a, a few months ago with uh, Kane, we are talking about Riley O'Brien's kind of breakout season. While people loved having him at R3, the true value was having him at R2 because he was going comparable to a premium at R2. So if Clark is going to go near a premium territory, that's amazing for us. Um, it's not horrible if he's stuck on your bench, but it's not ideal because you could be activating, getting rid of Dacos or McCartan at D6. You could be getting rid of a Martin or a Rochelle at F6 and getting the premium there because you want the cow of Clark on field, not one of those cows. So like you said, well done. If you've got a legit completed midfield and, and it's a legit premiums, not just half-baked ones, then well done to you for doing so. But it's it, it buzz point to that strategy and play trades and planning and, and how we kind of think our way through. And with DPPs coming in, in a couple of weeks' time, have you got room for a Bont if he picks up forward status or a Gorn or a Bailey Smith? Is there another Dane Zorko-esque type that's going to pop in our back line that we're going to want to make room for? That's that that's a new variation for dream teamers and, and super coaches that you haven't had that experience yet, but it can absolutely shake up the game and in a good way um, as well. Hey, Louis, as always, mate, an absolute pleasure to have you on this episode. Thank you so much, my friend. No worries, mate. Always good to be here. And uh, I noticed this is the first episode in a couple of weeks that didn't mention that player that starts with P in the Ruck division. Don't you dare. Don't. <laughs> Don't you? Do- <laughs> oh, I think I've never mentioned a player more in a preseason oh. than in a season than that man. He has done very, very well uh, for his coach. Say, mate, a pleasure to have you uh, back on the pod. If you want to go and check out any of the articles we've dropped this week, they're available for you at coachespanel.tv. Uh, more trade and strategy podcasts landing for you every single week. And if you want an additional round review podcast, as well as a bunch of other bit of content, um, you can join our Patreon supporter group, our premium tier, get a, a extra podcast from me every single week, plus a bunch of other stuff. All the links to join our Patreon supporter group, you can find them at coachespanel.tv. As you head into the round, we certainly wish you good luck. We hope your captain call nails it, that your upgrade plans all turn your way and that all the luck falls with you. Until we chat to you soon, have a good round. <laughs>